This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Dave got you all set up. It's going to be so easy tonight. Everybody's so excited. They're going to get it. Going to change your lives. Strong Christians, powerful Christians. I'm ready for the men's meeting already. Hey man, I can't wait till I can't wait till Saturday morning, man. We're going to show guys how God wants guys to talk about themselves. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, the Lord, the Lord says things about us. We need to say what He says if we want what He wants us to have. And so Saturday morning is going to be good. Nine o'clock. And who's doing the breakfast? Wow. Robert, do we know who's doing the breakfast? I know you're not, but who's doing the breakfast Saturday morning? Uh, maybe, maybe it's, uh, Mr. Donut Man then. Okay, if you want a real breakfast, you better stop on the way and leave early, but if you just want some donuts to make you fat, then... Oh, Dave said we'll get somebody then. We don't want to have a bunch of, whatever, well-rounded Christians, the best way to say it. <laughs> All right, I just wondered who was doing the breakfast. Okay, I want to show you a book tonight that's a really good book that I've studied this book for lots of years called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life, we're going to be somewhat talking about that tonight, but this book here came out in the uh, probably early 90s, and I've studied that thing over and over for years, especially when I'm going through trying times and challenging times. I go through this. He's got a lot of things in here that from the Word of God will speak to your heart and help you stay steady, help you stay on course and if by chance, if by chance you've strayed from the path, they'll show you how to get back on it. And I was telling Mrs. Pastor, uh, we was talking about some things yesterday, and well, I was over in Kiev, Ukraine one time, ministered to a bunch of, right after the Iron Curtain fell, ministered to a bunch of uh, preachers came from all over the former Soviet Union, and uh, that, was really, that was really a blessing to get to minister all those preachers from everywhere. Some of them sold their cars that they had. If they had any cars, they sold everything they had. And some of them, they rode by bicycle, they rode by train, they hitchhiked, they did everything they could to come across those countries because preachers from America was going to be there to teach them the word of faith. But anyway, one morning when I was praying for, I went into that service of all those uh, preachers out there. The Lord gave me a word, and I'm thinking about it for, for us, is this. He said, he said, if you want to receive direction, because those guys came from everywhere, they want direction for their lives, for their ministries. They were in a communist country, and uh, man, things were different there than what they are in America, and the Americas were over there to share the Word of God, and so they wanted to hear something from God to help their lives be all they could be. As the Lord told me, He said, tell them, if they want to receive direction, they must first receive correction. Direction, but they got to receive correction to receive direction. And, you know, I've thought about that for years, but really a couple days ago I saw that like I never saw it before. I never thought about about airplane pilots, but how many know that airplane pilots, if they're not going the right direction, they've got to make a correction. They correct their latitudes and latitudes and all those tudes and everything, you know, and look at the compass, and they got to make sure what they're doing because if they don't trade, you know, they get the right directions, but they don't make a correction, they're still going to be off path. They're going to crash somewhere. Amen. And so for Christians... Even if God gives you the right direction, if you don't stop and make correction, you're still not going to make it. You're going the wrong direction, so you've got to make some correction. So hopefully tonight some things that we say will help you. And the title of the message is, How to Walk with God 
every day. How to walk with God every day. And I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. You know, I've talked from Hebrews 11, verse 6. Uh, just keeps coming, coming up out of my spirit uh, for about the last month. I keep, keep teaching on Hebrews 11, 6 different ways. But uh, it amazes me as I'm in prayer, getting ready for services, and the Lord gives me things. He keeps going back to Hebrews 11, 6. So tonight we're going to see from a different angle that you haven't seen yet. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And most of us know this verse. They can even quote it, but it says, But without faith is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And uh, about three weeks ago, when I started teaching on this on Sunday morning, I pointed out some things about this. That number one, uh, it says that, 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 that we come to God. That's talking about prayer life. That's the way you come to God through prayer, through talking to Him. And then uh, you got to believe that He is, or you're talking to yourself and talking to the air. And so you believe that He is, and you're talking to Him, but then you've got to believe that He's a rewarder for people that are serious about Him. In other words, you got to believe He's going to answer prayers, but that's not where we're at tonight. We're not major on that verse. And so what the Lord gave me tonight was to notice that first word. What's that first word there? But. But. But's a conjunction. And so that joins us to the previous verse. Or you can say the previous verse was spoken, and that prompted verse 6. But. And so we need to go back to verse 5, see why God talked about faith and being a rewarder for people to seek Him. And so verse 5 says this, By faith, and so God in this chapter continually talks about faith. We're supposed to be faith people. He's a faith God. And so he's going to tell us about an Old Testament saint. By faith Enoch was translated, they should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. But look at this. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. You know, we have testimony services here sometimes, and we like, to, we like to testify what God's done, testify what God's done for other people's lives, but this is God testified about a man. God testified about an Old Testament believer that this man pleased me. And then he says, at the start of the verse, that Enoch was a man that lived by faith. And then he says, Enoch walked with God, he lived by faith, and then he says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So there's some thoughts here God wants to get across to us we need to see. But I want you to notice again, he's talking about the kind of faith that pleases God. and says, here's a man named Enoch, and God testified about Enoch that he pleased God. And so I want, to, I want God to testify about me the way he testified about Enoch, that I lived a life that pleased him. How about you? Amen. Don't you want to hear God say, when you get to heaven, Dylan, the way you live pleased me. You say, Pam, the way you live pleased me. Doug, the way you live pleased me. I want to hear God say that about me. And you know, uh, he's talking right here about not only saying it there, but living by faith now, because by heaven, heaven you're not to live by faith. And so we want God to be able to say, 
right now on this earth. Alexis, you're pleasing me. We want God to say that about us now. So that's what we want to look at, how to walk with God every day. And so since he's talking about Enoch, and Enoch's the one that, that birthed that famous scripture, without faith is possible to please God, then that must be pretty serious with God about the life of Enoch. And you know, when we read the Bible, there's a lot of people God talks about, and there's chapters and chapters written about them. How many know God talks a lot about David? said, King David, he said, he's a man after my own heart. You can read half the Psalms and see things David wrote. You go through, through Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. And through lots of places in the Bible, there's tons of things written about David. There's lots of things written about, about Moses. And by a lot of the Old Testament, lots of things written about him. But this man right here, he must have a lot of books written about him for God to say, he pleased me. So let's go to Genesis chapter 5. And surely there's a whole lot in the Word of God. For God to say, this man pleased me so much that he didn't even have to die. I just let him walk right into heaven without dying. Because that's what happened to him. He was translated. He went to heaven and didn't even die first. Genesis chapter 5. And somebody said, well, how could that happen? I don't know. I'm not God. With God, nothing's impossible. And the Bible says that he was with God and didn't taste death. Did it happen? And I don't know how and why. And I don't really care. I just believe the Bible. It says he pleased God and he just walked right into heaven. So Genesis 5, verse 18. And let's see how much the Bible has to say about this man that pleased God. Genesis 5, verse 18. And it's given a lot of genealogies here. People after Adam and Eve and then tell about their sons and their grandsons and great-great-grandsons from Adam. But it says in verse 18, And Jared lived 162 years and he begat Enoch. And so the first thing he tells us about Enoch is that Enoch was a man that was born into this earth just like every one of us. He had a dad, he had a mom, and he was born into the earth. And then you notice verse 21 is the next thing about Enoch. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. How many know who Methuselah was? He was the oldest man the Bible records ever lived. As a matter of fact, verse 27 tells you Methuselah lived 969 years. So anyway, it tells us so far about this man that pleased God, Enoch. He was born, and then verse 21, he lived to be 65 years old and had his first son named Methuselah. And then notice verse 22. And Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And he begat Methuselah, uh, after he begat Methuselah, 300 years, and begat sons and daughters. So after Methuselah, he kept on having sons and daughters for another 300 years, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years, verse 24, and Enoch walked with God. And Enoch walked with God, and it was not, for God took him. And so God didn't say a whole lot about Enoch. He told you he was born. And all these other people, the genealogies, he tells you when they were born and tells you they died. But Enoch was born. He begat sons and daughters, and he didn't die. He walked with God and walked right on into heaven. But he walked with God. And so the key to Enoch's life that pleased God was Enoch lived by faith for 365 years. And so, you know, as we read this, I'm just thinking about a lot of things about this verse here because it's really got my attention. 
How many here think you're going to live to be 365 years old? It's not going to happen. You know, if we live to be 100 years old, we've got something Enoch never had. He didn't have the new birth. He wasn't born again. His spirit wasn't recreated by the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of him. And this was a man that walked with God for 365 years. And because God was so serious in Hebrews chapter 11 that he gives us that famous verse, without faith it's impossible to please him. But then that's connected to verse 5 about a man named Enoch. That we as Christians should be able to walk with God with the help of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to direct us for at least 100 years or 80 years however much you want to live to. And so I want to look at these things here because to me, I don't think God just puts things in the Bible to make good stories. I don't think God just wants us to see, wow, this was the father of Methuselah and then this guy got translated into heaven. Boy, that's a good history story. No, that's in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, God's telling us as faith people, there's faith things you need to learn And so I'm going to give you some examples from the Old Testament. So Hebrews chapter 11 gives examples about Abraham and Sarah, about Moses, about a lot of people. Tells us a lot of stories, a lot of things in there, giving us all things for encouragement and telling us what we can have and what we can do. But I I just want to keep on saying this. We've got to always remember we've got something those Old Testament saints didn't have. We're born again. We've got the written word of God to tell us we've got authority over the devil. We got the written word of God to tell us how to talk, to tell us how to live, to tell us what to do. Those guys didn't have this. We've got something they didn't have. And so for the times we live in, you know, I'm 68 years old. I was born in 1951. And this world was a totally different world for the first several years of my life. I've never seen such a rotten world as I see today. I've never seen so much hatred, so much viciousness, so much slander, so much sickness and diseases. So many things are so evil in this world, but also at the same time, the Bible tells me that the last days with that evil, God's raising up Christians that can live above it. He's raising up believers that his spirit can shine through, shine on, and be used by him to do exploits, to turn people around. And so I think about the things like we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 11. We as Christians do not have to be sucked under by the darkness evil around us. You know, I think about so many verses talking about let our light shine before men. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I think about us as Christians. I remember one time back in Indiana, we went to this really, really nice place that we like to go to sometimes. It was a cafeteria, but it was more like a real fancy restaurant. Really nice cafeteria and it was the candlelight type chandeliers all through all the rooms and there were several big rooms and it had these little candle, chandelier candle type lights and so it wasn't really bright in there, but I remember we were sitting in there one day eating and all of a sudden I saw something like a blowtorch going through the room. And I, thought, I said, what is that? And, the, and our server said, that woman over there is having her 100th birthday that's 100 candles. So a hundred candles will go through that dark room and one candle probably would have caught our attention. But a hundred candles go through that dark room, big huge room, and way over there about as far as that back wall from us, lit up the whole room. 
Can you imagine what this dark world's like where these people that are so caught up in the evil, the fierce things going on, when a Christian shows up and their light's shining? Can you imagine what it's like when a few of us together on a job and we so I know on our jobs, I know I used to, if the truck drivers ever Christians, sometimes in the morning time, we'd join together on the freight dock and we'd join hands and we'd pray over the job that day. Can you imagine how we stuck out? I'm thinking about you for the different jobs you have. When you walk into that darkness, instead of that darkness overcome you, why don't you let your light overcome the darkness? Amen. And especially when two or three of you Christians get together and be testified, be brave enough to join hands and you don't have to preach to them all. But as you're joined hands and praying, that light in you is speaking that darkness all around you. And they're seeing your good works and they're glorifying God. Amen. And so that's what we're talking about here. How to walk with God every day. When you walk with God every day, your light's going to shine. And somebody said, well, how do my light shine? You don't have to think about your light shining. Whether you know it or not, your light's shining. Because your light's on. And why is your light on? Because the Savior of the world lives in you. He lit your light. When you got born again, he put his light in you. And your light comes out. That is, if you're living for God. Now, if you're still telling dirty jokes, if you're still wanting to joke about sex things, if you're still wanting to be a murmurer, a grumbler, a griper, or a complainer, where they all come out and they want to talk about how bad the job is, talk about how mean the boss is, how unfair the union is, how nobody's for them, everybody's against If you want to join in that garbage, you don't have any light. But when you don't join in on the murmuring and complaining, when you're able on your job just to thank God, Lord, I want to thank you. You led me here. And Lord, I'm a tither. And Lord, I want to thank you that you rebuked the devourer for my sake. I'm here on this job. And Lord, I know that we're having a very unpleasant time right now on the job. But I'm here, Jesus. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And Lord, I'm not going to let these gripers pull me into their world. But on the contrary, I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to pull them into my world, Lord. I've let them see what I see. And I can tell you this. I was a truck driver for 28 years. Somebody said, man, you know, he's that old. Well, I'm not hardly that old, but I've, you know, been preaching for a lot of years, too. But I was a truck driver for 28 years. I drove semis. I I drove the big stuff. And I was around a lot of gripers, a lot of complainers. But I can tell you, time after time after time after time, on truck driving jobs, the faith of the believers turned those companies around, turned things around. And there were a lot of times I had to pray for people. And I prayed things like this. Lord, you said you blessed what I set my hand to. Steps of good matter ordered by the Lord. You rip the devour for my sake. And Lord, I'm praying for these people that are causing the problems of the company. Sometimes it was supervisors. Sometimes it was union men. Sometimes other things. I'd pray. I said, Lord, because you've got me here, this is my mission field. I'm praying for these guys to either get born again, start treating things right, and doing things right, and turn this company around. Because this is my livelihood, Lord. And if they keep going the direction they're going, this company will be out of business. So they've got to have a right attitude. They've got to do right. Because this is my job, Lord. You got me here. So I'm praying, Lord, either have them turn around and start doing right for the company or transfer them. I never pray for anybody to get fired or lose their jobs. I'd say, Lord, transfer them. Put them someplace where they can be happy. Whatever you got to do. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen one 
goofy boss now. He's, Jesus' name is born again now. I remember one day he's giving me a hard time, and he's telling some other people there, don't worry about samples. Said he won't be, he won't be here much longer. He'll be gone. I stayed there no 20 years after that guy left. <laughs> and so what I'm telling you is this. We as Christians have to realize if we're walking with God, we expect to make some waves. If we're walking with God, we expect to change some things. Amen. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And then he told you, Enoch, by faith, had the testimony he pleased God. And then God tells us right here in Genesis chapter 5, I want you to get this. Maybe a half a dozen verses there is all there is about Enoch's life right there. And all God said, the big thing about Enoch was this. He walked with me. You know, I saw a note I put in my Bible a while back, and I never preached on it. I don't really know why I put it in there. I guess I must have been led to put it in there. But how many know that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? No, I wrote my Bible. I said, Jesus, I'll never leave you nor forsake you either. You know, that's what happens when you backslide. When you go the other way, go back to the ways of the world, you know what you're doing? You're saying, Jesus, I'm so glad you'll never leave me nor forsake you. But I don't want you right now for a while. I'm going to leave you for a while, Jesus. Oh, that's sad. And besides that, it's dangerous. I would not want to walk through this dark world without walking with God, without walking with Jesus. Anyway, God uses Enoch as an example to us that it's possible that we can walk with God every day for our little 60, 70, 80, 90 years on this earth. If this guy did 365 years without the Holy Spirit in him, without the written word of God to give him direction, how much more should we as modern 21st century Christians being born again filled with his spirit, sitting under teaching like this, and if you don't like this, get on the internet and pull up any kind of stuff you want to hear, but I mean, we can get 24-7 teaching and instruction what to do. And then besides that, we can pray in the spirit and get ourselves built up. So anyway, uh, what does this mean to us of any walking with God, and how can we walk with God by faith our entire Christian life? I want to say that again. How can we walk with God by faith our entire Christian life. Well, I want to show you things that have worked for me. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And you know, I, I want to say this. I know that everybody in here is a serious Christian, or you'd be doing other things on a Wednesday night. And so I know that because you're here, you want to be somebody that walks with God every day. And I want to say something else, too. I know that I've walked with him now. I'll be have my 40th birthday, January 29th of 2020. I'll be 40 years old in the Lord. be 40 years since I asked Jesus into my heart. And, man, I've, I've had some rough times in the last 40 years. I've had some great times in the last 40 years. But one thing about it, everywhere, everything I went through, I was walking with Jesus through it. You know, why would he say in Psalms 91... I will be with you in trouble. Well, that tells me there's a possibility you're going to have some trouble sometimes. said, I'll be with you. He said, pray for those that persecute you and despisefully use you and lie about you. Well, that tells me there's going to probably be some times some people give me a hard time. Maybe sometimes people slander me and say things about me that aren't right. But he said, pray for them. And then also he said this, he said, pray and curse not. 
And so there have been some times over the course of the years when cursing not didn't want to be there. Other things wanted to be there, but I wouldn't let the cursing come out. What would come out of my mouth? I'd either be praying in tongues, praising the Lord, or just shutting up. Because I knew better than that, because I wanted to walk with Jesus. And I knew to walk with Jesus doesn't mean I lower myself to the level of a child of the devil and come down to that arena. Because that's not the faith arena. The faith arena is to walk with Jesus. And so we want to look how that works in the Bible. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read this in the King James, and I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. says this, Wherefore, see, we are compassed or surrounded by with so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, there's another conjunction joining us to the previous chapter. says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's the Old Testament saints in chapter 11. He tells about a lot of them. And the Living Bible says this. Since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith, looking from the grandstands of heaven. And so the Old Testament saints that lived by faith had people that you and I know that were faith people are in heaven and they're able to look down and see us. I, th- I think about I think about my grandma. You know, I, I talked about my grandma the other day. My grandma Price, believe it or not, my family was the only Christian I knew. My family didn't have Christians in them. And my grandma would pick up all the grandkids she could and there were a lot of kids in our family. She'd run around on Sunday mornings picking up kids to get us to Sunday school. And I still remember the Sunday school teacher I had as a child at that Baptist church. I still remember the lessons he taught. And why was that? Because I had a faithful grandma. She was a Baptist grandma. She loved Jesus. She knew Jesus was real. And my mom wouldn't listen to her. her my mom was her daughter, wouldn't listen to her. Her other kids wouldn't listen to her. So what grandma do? She wouldn't have the next level, start getting the grandkids. And so praise God. Grandma went around as she got us, as then before my dad and mom died, I led them to Jesus. And so grandma got them, but grandma's already in heaven for a long time. But I guarantee you, grandma from heaven got to look down and see grandson lead her daughter and her husband, my mom and dad, to Jesus. Amen. And so we as Christians need to look at this verse right here and see what's going on. So there's a great cloud of witness that's watching us. It says, because of that, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. We're talking about walking with God. Lay aside weights and sins, which so easy beset us, and then run with patience the race that is set before us. And that's called God's plan for your life. That book I showed you, Father, God's plan for your life, that's talking about God's race that he has for you. Now, the Living Bible says this. Because we have those people from the grandstands that are watching us, let us, this living Bible, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. Strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up and run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. And so Paul was talking to people that watched those Greek Olympics. And so those Olympics, they had races. They, you know, that's where a lot of our modern-day uh, running events and the stuff we do at decathlons, all, they cut those Greek Olympics. And so get a picture of this. Those guys out there 
were stripped down to their running shorts, their gym shorts, where they were. They had very little on because to run those races there, if they come out there with their combat boots on and their heavy clothes, extra overcoats, and things like that, they couldn't have run their race. And so he's telling these guys something they could understand, give them a picture. Guys, you're in a race for your life. This race for your life, anything's going to slow you down, you better take it off. And so for us as Christians, this is one of the first things I want to tell you now. This is the point I want to point out to you. If you're going to follow God's plan for your life and walk with Jesus, the first thing you've got to do is learn how to manage your time. You know, uh, I think about people that uh, don't come to church a lot or different things like that. And they say things like, I'm too busy, I don't have time. Well, if you did a time study, how much time did you spend on your iPhone this week? How much time did you spend playing computer games? How much time did you spend maybe watching things on television that if I said, all right, everybody, what's your favorite TV show you watched this week? We've got a new system in here. I want to see your show, too. How many would be proud to show the things you watch right up on the big screen? We'll watch it together. He says, he says, lay aside the weights and the sins that hold us back and stop us from doing what God wants us to do. If you're walking with God, then another point's this, making wise choices. Manage your time. Make wise choices. I know that, uh, in my life, by the time I deal with the pastor stuff I'm doing, and I've got a wife that's not a slave driver, but she anointedly prods me every day on the 10-acre place that she had us to buy, about assignments for me to do all the time, and I manage the home finances too, so by the time we do the church stuff, because when you do sermons like this, they don't just happen because you go online... Uh, let me get a sermon online. I've never got a sermon online or out of somebody's book. I get my sermons from heaven through the Word of God from my time with Him. And so in other words, I have to step out of this world and step into His world and get quiet. And I say, Jesus, I want you to look at the Wednesday night service and see who's going to be there. And Lord, I want you to use me to answer their questions tonight. Lord, I want you to use me to give them examples and illustrations and parables, testimonies out of my life, testimonies I've heard that will help them be better Christians. And so that's what I do. And I, I, think, about, I think about Frank and who else out here? Well, Dylan, different ones out here that say things to me like this after services. Pastor, you did it again. How would you know that? And I say, well, I know the one that knows you. And the one that knows you told me what to tell you tonight. But not just you, but everybody in here got to hear what he had to say. And so what I'm saying is this. If I didn't manage my time wisely to allow time, number one, with Jesus, to be able to do it, well, first of all, for a believer. I'm with you, first of all, for my own self. And then for the ministry, for you. But then at the same time, the Bible says, husbands, honor your wives. So when the wife cracks the whip, 
in love tells me what to do. Uh, anybody ever hear of honeydews? That's the honeydew list. Well, we have lots of honeydew lists. Today I got to do lots of nice things. But uh, anyway, those things, plus balance checkbooks, pay bills, and list everything going on. If I put everything else first and I didn't manage my time to have time with Jesus, I'd be like a lot of Christians. I'd have no anointing. At the first sight of trouble, I'd rather cuss and run than to stop and pray. When you're not walking close with God, that's what you want to do, okay? The first thing that comes to your mind is the Q word. What's the Q word? I quit. (laughs) Quit the marriage. Quit the church. Quit the job. Quit the house payments. Quit the car payments. Whatever it is, if you start straying away from Jesus, you're a quitter. You quit on him, then you start quitting everybody else and everything else. And then, if you come to your senses, you'll call some Christian to pray for you that walks with God, or you start coming back to church and ask somebody in church to pray for you that walks with God. But why don't you just determine if a man that wasn't born again in the Old Testament could walk with God 365 years? You can walk with him 40 or 50. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And you know, I want to say this. I want to say it again. I take the Bible seriously. If God tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, I want to give you an example of a man that pleased me and lived by faith. Well, he wouldn't tell me that if he didn't think I could do it too. He wouldn't tell you that if he didn't think you could do it too. So anyway, he says we've got to be disciplined, manage our time wisely, make wise decisions. And I want to say this as we're looking at these, with all of our full schedules we have, because I know that everybody pretty much in these times we live in, most husbands and wives both work. They got kids in school. They got sports. They got all these things going on. God knows about those things. Our and our time is necessary. You got to have time off. You got to have rest and recreation. You got to have some fun time. You got to have some downtime. And so quality time with family is a must. But then I want you to look again at verse two here. These things looking together, working together. It says this tells us to run with patience the race. So then it says, how do we run that? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author, that's the beginner, and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the one that got our faith walk started. As says Jesus is the one we look at him will help us finish our faith walk. You notice he didn't say, the author and the one will help you bail out halfway through. The author the one that will help you be a quitter. Jesus wants you to finish your race. He wants you to finish your life like you started your born-again life. Said, oh, how I love Jesus. Anybody sing that song? They still sing that song anywhere? That's still my theme song, man. I, that's, I sing that song almost every day. Mrs. Pastor would tell you, man, she would wake up and hear me in the other room of the house. Oh, how I love Jesus because he helps me sing. <laughs> well, he loves, he loves my singing. This very scriptural is called a joyful noise. Why would he say make a joyful noise to the Lord? You know why? Because some people can't sing in tune. So you make a joyful noise. But it's an anointed noise. No, what I'm saying is Jesus once says 40 years after we receive him, 
to still be get up in the morning time and said, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, Mrs. Pastor can tell you, we've gone on 37 years marriage this year, that every night, every night, when I tell her good night, she hears me talk to the next one. I say, good night, Father. Good morning. Good night, Jesus. Good night, Holy Ghost. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Been doing that all every night of our marriage, all these years, because I started off that way. When I got saved back in 1980 and I found out he was real, I realized, wow, he's right here in the bedroom and I'm going to sleep at night. Why not tell him good night? I was a single man then. I'd tell him good night. And so the next morning, since he never left me nor forsake me, that means he's still in my room. I said, good morning, Father. And so if we are going to walk with him, that means we should still be able, 40 years old, the Lord, still be able to talk to him like we did the day we received him. And he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured. It's an endurance race. It's a marathon race. Your endurance of things. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured. Consider him that endured. So it says, in our Christian walk, if we're going to walk with God, this says we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And i got to open my Bible. I put my Bible lots of years ago because the Holy Spirit spoke this right to my heart. And I suggest you write this down. I think it will help you to understand this verse, what it means. Uh, have, have, have any of you ever talked to Christians, maybe said it yourself, you go through a hard time to say, well, how you make it? You say, my eyes on Jesus. I keep my eyes on Jesus. I've heard so many people say it over the years, and they're not keeping their eyes on Jesus. They're just making a good statement because they've heard other people say it. Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. And you need to write this down. I've got it right on top of my page of my Bible right here because I never want to forget it. He said this, to keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes on the Word. And then he said it this way. Then he said, to keep your eyes on the Word is to keep your eyes on Jesus. How many know that John chapter 1, verse 14, says that Jesus is the Word. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living Word. God gave Jesus the living Word to us to reveal to us the written Word. The written Word comes alive when we have a relationship with Jesus. And so, Last year, when I went through some serious diseases, you know, I kept my eyes on Jesus all year long. I looked at 1 Peter 2.24. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. I looked at James chapter 4, 5, verse 14 and 15. The elders of the church that all of all prayed the prayer of faith for me. And the word of God said, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I looked at Matthew 8, verse 17. It says Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. I looked at Exodus fifteen twenty six. He said, I'm Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. I could name you a dozen other healing verses if you get the point. That's how I kept my eyes on Jesus. I laid aside everything that would hinder me last year. 
I did not have time last year to watch goofy TV. My life was in the balance. Those were weights. I could not let TV weigh me down. I didn't want to go to heaven last year. I wanted to live. And so I kept my eyes on the Word of God. On Sunday morning last year when I couldn't come to church, Dr. Barclay in Michigan is three hours ahead of us. So at 7 o'clock in the morning, it was 10 o'clock in Michigan, I would watch his broadcast on television at 7. And then at 10 o'clock, when I couldn't be in church, it's 10 o'clock in California. I've got pastor friends in California. I'd get their broadcast. I'd watch those. And then when my family came home from this church, I'd find out what was preached. What was I doing? I was keeping my eyes on Jesus so I could walk with God and finish my race. And so I'm telling you some secrets of how to walk with God all your Christian life. You know what I'm saying? God said you could walk with him. You're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to make some choices. You know, you might, you might sometimes. I know that what I found out in life sometimes, I don't like to walk, watch things that Jesus wouldn't watch with me. And so I know for my TV, we, we DVR everything. When we're doing our little program, our DVR stuff, man, it comes past that PG-14. Whoop, well, I would have liked to watch that. I know PG-14, they wouldn't have that in there for no reason. I don't want to watch that, because if I do, Jesus doesn't want to watch it with me. I don't want to walk away from Jesus. And for sure, if it says R, that is not getting recorded on my TV. And you know what? It's been so long since I got to go to a drive-in movie in this town. Or to the cinema. You know why? I don't want to see vampires. I don't want to see those goofy... Flippy floppy space people that do all that goofy stuff, flipping and flopping and jumping. I saw one of those by mistake four or five years ago. Boy, I'll never do that again. See old people goofy flip flopping, flipping flopping, turning into some goofy thing and eating somebody and jumping up and down and swallowing somebody and flip flopping and jumping three stories up and five stories down and turning into some kind of ugly thing. I'm not going to watch that stuff. <laughs> what am I talking about? I've talked about laying aside the weights. That's a weight holding me back, man. That's a Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. I guess I can't see it. <laughs> and then besides that, you got to watch out for the kids' cartoon shows. I remember probably four or five years ago that a show came out about, what's those things they put? Legos. Took my grandkids to the drive-in movie, man. Paid money for them to get in, for us to get in the drive-in movie. And that Lego show was all about politics. It was so obvious they were preaching politics. Those Lego guys at the drive-in show, I paid to see. I thought, man, I get this stuff, they don't even pay for it out here in the world every day. Why do I want to take my kids down here and preach to me about politics through a kid's movie? And so I just, I just said that to say this. I'm very selective about what I'm going to watch, what I'm going to see. Why is that? Because God said Enoch pleased him because he walked with him. And then God told me what Enoch did. And so if I can do what Enoch did by faith, walk with God, then I'm going to please God every day of my life. I'm going to get to live long. I'm going to get to live strong. I'm going to influence some people. Amen. You know, in my realm of influence, because I'm a pastor, I get to influence bigger crowds. But before I was a pastor, I got to influence my family. 
I got to influence my co-workers. I got to influence people I met in the store. And so every one of you are influencers. Somebody's your realm of influence. And so your realm of influence, if you walk with God, I'll I'll tell you what, a Christian that really walks with God does more testify by accident than what a religious Christian reads off of cards can do on purpose. Amen. I remember my job. I remember my job when I was a truck driver when something happened on the dock. I remember one day on the dock we had these things to put our boxes on and drug them around the dock to put on trucks. They was, they, they was called flats, but they're still carts. And boy, I tell you what, if you wasn't watching what you're doing, sometimes man, you walk in with those, your shin bone, you hit that steel. And before I was a Christian, when I hit that steel, man, they sure heard what a sinner sounded like because I could sure outcuss all of them. But I remember the first time that happened after I was a Christian, I remember that happened. I walked into that cart. Sinners everywhere. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I received healing. Oh, thank you, Lord, for healing my leg. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'll never forget it. I had a guy there that told me he's an atheist. He gathered the crowd. He said, look at that guy. He said, he's over there praising his Lord because he hurt his leg. And I said, no, I'm praising my Lord because he's my healer. And he healed my leg. And do you think I didn't get the attention of that crowd? I wasn't trying to figure out how could I preach to these guys today. Jesus have the buttest of heart, the mouth speaking. I remember another day. I remember another day. How many know what a ragtop is? Well, if you're in trucking, you do. It's a, it's a trailer that's got a tarp on the top. Have you got a 45-foot trailer with a tarp on top, and you don't live in the desert, but you live on the East Coast, it rains. And when it rains in these tarp trailers, and when you open the door of one of these tarp trailers, and you got lots of gallons of rain up there, if you catch you off guard, you get flooded. And I remember I opened up a trailer one day, and all those heathen around watching me, and I took a mud bath. That stuck on me. And you know what I did? I danced in the rain. Did I do it because I wanted to? I did it because Jesus lives in me. I walked with Jesus. And when it happened, I didn't even think about cussing getting mad. I just, oh, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, oh, oh, boy, thank you, Jesus, glory to God, oh, Jesus, oh, <laughs> What am I saying? I'm saying, I was, did I pull that mic off? No, it's okay. I'm saying, because I walk with God, like Enoch walked with God, when you and God's together, you and God rejoice. You know, Jesus wept. But he's weapon because of their unbelief because they didn't believe he's going to do what he said he'd do. And so anyway, I think you're getting the point of what God's saying tonight. Enoch walked with God simply means through good times, bad times, every day, he never walked away from God. He walked with God because out of 365 years, don't you think he's about to have had one problem? Maybe one day he had a bad day at least once. Okay, so guys... Gals, we're going to have some bad times, we're going to have some good times. The main thing is, if bad times come, praise the Lord. Love Jesus. Don't backslide. Don't walk away. If something ever happens that you have to miss a bunch of church services, either because you did go stupid for a while, or life just, life just challenged you for a while, you couldn't come to church. Man, as soon as you can, get your butt right back in and bring your body to. I shouldn't have said that. 
No. No. Get right back in as soon as you can. And what's that called? That's called walking with God. That's called faith that's pleasing God. So, 40 years ago, I made the choice. I have decided to follow Jesus. And you know what? I'm still following Jesus. And if I live another 40 years, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be following Jesus every day of my life. Maybe challenged, but I'm going to follow him. So I just challenge you, take the Jesus challenge. No matter what happens, don't forsake him, but walk with him. And if you do stupid stuff, repent, get right, follow him up. Amen? Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.